Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Success in farming is all about precision and efficiency. Ensuring every seed, every drop of water, every nutrient and treatment counts. TerraPlex Ag is helping farmers all over Iowa and the Midwest do just that. With precision ag-grown technology and support from TerraPlex, you'll boost your productivity and make timely and informed decisions, all while reducing your costs and increasing your profit. It's time to revolutionize your farming. Harvest the benefits with TerraPlex Ag. Visit TerraPlexAg.com. Visit TerraPlexAg.com, a lovely company. Coming to you live from the Channel Seed Studios, it is another episode of Making Mems with myself, Adam Pedersen, and a pesky little guard that helped lead to many of those 272 Fran McCaffrey wins. It is the one and only Jordan Bohannon. I was getting freaky there for a second. Woo. Pesky. That's a, that's a new one. New characteristic. Feisty. Feisty. We said <laughs> last doing, show, y'all? it's going to be a new characteristic every show. Yes, sir. Still cute, still lovely, but sometimes feisty. And deadly. <laughs> How you doing, pal? I'm good, man. This is kind of, I feel like there's a little more energy in the room when we're not doing Woo. morning pod for some reason. Yep. Yep. I do have my coffee that might be lending to it. No, oh. there's no hour of a day. We don't drink coffee in the winter. Coffee at past five o'clock is very, very bold. <laughs> well, I am a crazy man, so it is what it is. Um, as you can see here, I've got the cowboy hat on because the cowboys went into the barn and freaking whooped up them gophers and took them home. And so I had to bust out the cowboy hat. Uh, big win for the Hawks tonight in Minnesota. Fran breaks the official all-time record. He stands alone at the top. What a win for the Hawks. That was so exciting. Needed, too. I mean, you look at Big time. winning three straight, unbelievable. They just went from bottom fighting for last place to beating a contention for top four. Yes, sir. Slowly working our way towards that bubble, hopefully. Um Fran, after the game, we were talking about this quickly before we recorded. He got a little emotional when Stephen Bardo um, asked him what it means to be the standalone at the top as the all-time winningest coach. Obviously, you can tell he has huge reverence for Tom Davis. Um, did he get emotional much when you were there? Like He didn't seem like a guy who would be crying as much as Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, I mean, he had his moments. I think he's more reserved on his emotional um side more than 
most coaches i think he keeps that more privately but there's many times in the locker room that you know he got choked up a bunch of times kind of like how kirk did after games but it's more i think it's more privately with him but sure yeah i mean what a what a win i mean on top of obviously his his uh accomplishment which i'll, I'll touch on here in a second but I mean, just going back to what Iowa has done these last three games, it's amazing what you can do when you go on a three-game win streak in conference play, yep. and it just shows right there tonight. Yes, sir. Man, holy cow, that was an exciting game. Um, I think we should just hop right into talking about Minnesota. Or do you have anything you want to touch on about Fran before we do that? Yeah, just obviously what I said last week, just kind of adding to that, um, just unbelievable accomplishment. Um, he's one of the main people in my life that has changed me you know directly and not a lot of people you can say that have done that and you know everyone's respective lives but you know you look at a guy that is a guy that just wins wherever he goes wherever yep. he goes he's won he's create players that you know get developed make it you know, to the next level you just look down the line of coaching uh, guys in his coaching staff they're just phenomenal coaches and they just develop players they win games they take programs to new strides um, and it's just extraordinary to think about how good of a coach coach Tom Davis was at Iowa and what he accomplished. Um, and coach McCaffrey basically did what he did in the same, almost the same amount of time as coach Davis did with the wins. Um, so it's just something that I don't, I don't honestly, I'd be shocked if someone ever gets, obviously records are meant to be broken, but you know, this is one where it's so rare nowadays. You see a coach stay at a school for this long and, yep get this many wins at a power five school. So, you know, I, this record might be held for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to stockpile a few more this year. We'll see about after that. But, um, yeah, with today's, today's day and age, how rare longevity is, I think it's going to stand for quite some time, quite some time. I hope so. And, now, I, I hate to touch on this because of how big of an accomplishment this has been for yep. Coach McCaffrey and the McCaffrey family tonight um, because it is huge. And it's very, very hard to win games at a Power 5 school, let alone a Power 5 school, which we talked about talked about last week, Adam. A Power mm-hmm. 5 school that is, you know, it's very hard to win at. Iowa is mm-hmm. a notorious bottom, you know, bottom half of a Big Ten program for, for a job here for basketball. Um, so when you have a coach like this that came in when he did and he has completely changed the program along around, um, it's just, you know, it's very, very awesome to see. Um, but, you know, I, I just I've gotten so many. Obviously, I wasn't really alive much for Coach Davis coaching career. Um, uh, was that a bold statement? Was I? What, how long uh, I mean, <laughs> Not really. I think he. I think he ended in '99. Yeah. Okay. So you were I'm just a wee years. little lad. Yeah, I was just a little baby. Yep. But I'm seeing little parallels, and I. The only reason I mention this is because of how much respect I have for McCaffrey and mm-hmm. Coach Davis. I've met several times and had great interactions with them. But the only reason why I mention this is because there's been so many parallels. I feel like with how Coach Davis was ran out of Iowa compared to not saying coach McCaffrey's getting run out of Iowa, but the same kind of feeling where, mm-hmm. you know, people are wanting something new. Now that's not everyone. That's not a majority. That's a, you know, that's silent or the loud minority. I always call them, mm-hmm. but this guy has done so much for the university of Iowa. Yes. You can criticize all you want. That's warranted whenever, you know, someone lacks something or flawed in some, some area, but I don't know, Adam, I just, 
I just hate to see good coaches like this get so much criticism and hate from a you know a fan base or you know maybe they're not even fans of the university, but mm-hmm. you know, he's done so much for this university, right, Adam? That it's not even it shouldn't even be in a conversation that he should be here as long as he wants to be here. Yeah, and I I wonder if uh, obviously. I don't think there's people out there that like when people don't like them, but you can tell like when Steven Bardo's talking to him after the game, when for like you current players, former players, like you all have such reverence for him. Um, like national analysts, except for, you know, like freaking Seth Davis, but we don't care what he thinks. Um, and other guys like they all respect him. They all like, I know how good he is. Yeah, some say you can get a little fiery at times and maybe a T here and there that shouldn't happen. But I hope at the end of the day, the people that matter, that know what they're talking about are the ones that he's listening to and and that he knows like respect him. And that's what gives him solace and and peace and knows like he's done a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's well, well, well put because I, I think, I mean, he's a smart enough individual to not listen to the outside, but you know, I always, I always like to listen to outside because it either a gave me fire and motivation or, mm-hmm. you know, B maybe just pissed me off even more in general. Um, <laughs> and maybe he does that. I think he probably does do that a little bit, but um, I, I just, I just think people need to appreciate the 10 years he's been here, man. Like, just look at what he's done. I know yep. he's, he hasn't made that, you know, notorious sweet 16 or made that run in, you know, post conference or post season that everyone wants to do, but it's hard. It's really hard to win games. And the fact he's won 272 of them, that is just, you know, extraordinary. 272, right? right? 272 yeah, and counting. 272. Maybe. It's crazy. Right on. Well, uh, Win 272 did not start well. <laughs> it was that might be the sloppiest first four minutes of a Hawkeye basketball game I've ever seen. So many bad turnovers, so many dumb mistakes, missing bunnies down low. Thankfully, um, they were able to take a breath, hit a few shots, and turn it around. And my gosh, uh, what a performance tonight all around by so many different people. The refs, uh, I sent you a very angry Snapchat saying we might need a ref accountability minute. Some really soft calls on Owen Freeman that had him playing. I don't even know what his final minute total was, but it had to have been under 15 minutes. Um, he didn't play much. So thankfully some guys stepped up in the post. Um, Hawk shot. Well, Josh Dix, boy, talk about a coming out party he's having. And, uh, Overall, they kind of galvanized together. They took some punches from Minnesota, but they always seemed to punch back. That was a bad start, but it, it gives me, fires me up, gives me confidence to know that a young team um, that's had some struggles but is slowly coming together has found ways to to push back because we didn't see that against Oklahoma, didn't see that against um, Purdue, and, uh, and so maybe this is going to end up being one of Fran's best coaching jobs as he helps these guys develop and and galvanizing these tough moments on the road in conference. Yeah, Josh Dix coming in out like he has is huge for the team. I think his ability to, I mean, let's face it, we talked about before, or I guess it was before conference play, but kind of yep. the first few games when we started our pod up, you know, we talked about how three-point shooting is going to be huge for Iowa this year. And mm-hmm. really, they have, they've, they've only had really Peyton as be able to shoot the ball behind the arc. Yep. And that's not... You know, that's not feasible going forward for a team to win 
know, six plus six, seven, six or seven plus games in the Big Ten Conference. So Josh Dix coming in and being able to hit, you know, two to three threes a game. I know that sounds little, but that is so huge for a team just to add that dimension on the floor because it spreads the teams out. They're going to start going over on ball screens. That means Dix can get downhill and open up a lot more open shots for whether it's post layups or a corner three for someone else on the team that's on the floor. Um, it just opens up so much for the team when you have a guy like that. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, Cricky playing like he has been, I, I still, I'm still saying, I know he had a really great game. <laughs> Stop shooting the mid twos. I, I, I can't do it anymore. No more. <laughs> no more. I know they go in about 45% of the time, but I, you can get a lot better shot. Take one more dribble in and shoot floater. But anyway, <laughs> he's playing phenomenal. There was a lot of guys that stepped up big tonight, and that's what Iowa needs. They, you know, they can't rely. They're not a team that's going to be able to rely on one guy like, you know, Iowa teams have in the past where Luca was able to get 25 or 30 or Keegan was able to get 20 to 25. Yep. Um, there's just a lot of different players this year, so they're going to have to play to their strengths, and their pl- their strengths are playing fast like they always have, up-tempo, um, and obviously their defense isn't a strength, but this year they can get – you know the the game even more up tempo by pressing more. I think that's what Fran has done a lot more is getting up mm-hmm. in that twelve press and and forcing the ball handlers in the court on the back court of the other team to give the ball up to their big guys to their their shooting guards that aren't comfortable doing that. Um, and you saw Minnesota, you know the free throws we we made we got in our twelve press. Adam, you saw um, they were barely getting the ball off the floor half the time. Yeah. You know sometimes they got a 10 second call. The other time when you saw them get the ball off the floor, it might not seem like anything from the normal fan, but you saw that they start their offense at around 16 or 17 seconds yep. in the shot clock. And that's really hard to get an offense when you're starting at that point at a shot clock. So yeah. I thought, you know, coaching wise, this was one of Fran's best coaching games of the, of his, uh, of this season so far. Yeah, man. I love that. Uh, I love that you brought that up because it's not even even when they do get it across, it's not something that maybe the casual fan thinks about. But yeah, that is that is huge that they don't have as much time to run around, run an offense. They maybe feel maybe feel a little pressed and a little rushed, and uh, and that's yeah that uh, just speaking on what you said, Hart when Harding and Bowen and Dix are in there together, that is a pesky feisty i had those words in my mind watching them that's why i think i called you that at the beginning of the pod they are like hands everywhere all over the place in your face just annoying you and i love to see them out there they caused some turnovers and they were when we were facing the press they were doing a good job of getting the ball across the court and uh man little brock harding i love that guy little spark plug off the bench he just he comes in and makes make some little plays here and there that fire everyone up. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty darn excited for this front court moving forward with those guys together and obviously perk. Um, but man, when Bowen and Brock come off the bench together, they seem like it's like go time. They're like our little bash brothers ready to go in there and cause chaos and wreak havoc. Yeah. And you kind of saw the lineup that Fran has kind of went to, obviously they came in with Brock and Bowen is coming in for the Nebraska and the Minnesota game at, at mm-hmm. you know, times to, um, change things up but you kind of saw you know Fran's five to six guys he's solid with now like we talked about you know very first game of conference play if you remember you know I kind of touched on about how the lineups really aren't set until conference play you're going to start seeing the solid six you know maybe seven in some cases Fran's guys really come together for him and that's going to be his team moving forward not saying you know there's going to be guys coming in for two to three minute stretches but 
those are going to be the guys that are be the bulk of the minutes. Yeah, he's going to mm-hmm. still going to play 10 to 11, but you know, six, seven guys are going to be the guys that are playing, you know, the majority bulk of the minutes moving forward. And I think now after this game, you guys, you know, at home watching as fans can kind of see, you know, that's starting to unravel that he's got his guys set for moving forward. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want to sound rude saying this. I didn't really understand the price Sanford minutes. I'm not sure just watching him. He's quite ready there to be as a freshman to be with this unit and, I think things were just a little more effective when we had kind of that core eight that we're playing. Um, you know, a long time ago, I brought up, you know, potentially Dix in the starting lineup, obviously with Pat being hurt with his ankle and been out a couple games here recent, recently. Um, it's looking really good with him out there with that extra shooter and defender like we talked about. And when Pat does come back, I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking like, I don't know if Price fits in there because – it's just too many bodies almost. I like a little smaller lineup of more like eight to your ninth guy playing a little bit, but not a ton. So I don't know. I, uh, I just not sure if his, if he's, uh, if he's helping much this season when he's in there, he just looks a little rushed and maybe not in the, in the rhythm and stuff. Yeah. I would have really liked him to, and I know it's really hard looking back, but I really thought he was going to be red shirting this year. I was yeah. hoping he would just because, you know, he's a shooter it's always a premium to have a shooter later down the road if you're able to develop him. And, you know, I think the world of their family, don't get me wrong, but I just don't mm-hmm. think he's ready quite yet for, you know, this stage. You know, he's right there. That He's definitely a Big Ten player, mm-hmm. but I think he just needs to add a little more weight, get a little quicker, get more adjusted to the pace of the game. Because right now, you know, as good as you can be in high school, you're starting to see – you know, people that, you know, listen to our pod, like it's totally a different level once you get to the next stage of just, you know, the little things in basketball and at college mm-hmm. basketball pace that he's just got to get adjusted to. And I think I really would have liked him to, you know, redshirt. And I think that would have been most beneficial, but, you know, it can't change anything now, obviously. Nope. Yeah. Um, another freshman that I am hyped about is Laggy Jembele. I think you I love said that, that right. Dude. <laughs> dude. That is a man after my own heart. He crashes the boards and he's he's finding a guy and boxing out right away. So even if the ball doesn't come to him, he's sealing a body off so another hawk can get the rebound. He's crashing the offensive board. He drew a couple fouls tonight because he got to the O board and grabbed the ball while the other guy was trying to box him out and cut him off. He steps in and plays nice help post defense. Man, I'm I'm fired up about that guy. I think I think especially like next year moving forward. He's going to be a big time glue guy. He's kind of got like a little bit of a a Nick Bear vibe to me. Obviously, that I is know. a comparison. <laughs> I, I never know. would have thought that one was going thrown out. <laughs> Just an energy guy running around getting rebounds. I'm not. I don't know if he's going to make as many uh, like awesome like clutch key steals and threes like Nick did. But I don't know. I just kind of got that vibe from him. We'll see yeah. if that's a horrible take moving forward. He's a he hustles his ass off. A nickel Nicholas Bear comparison that is crazy. I hope he is. That'd be mm. phenomenal. But uh, he's definitely really raw still. He's gonna take a little <laughs> time to develop. Nick, if you listen to this pod, please don't come after me. If that was <laughs> no, that's that's not a bad that's not a bad comparison. Just that was a, probably one of the last people I would have guessed. You would have said, <laughs> oh man. Um, Iowa goes three for 13 from three against Minnesota, but 56 of the 86 points were in the paint. So that's kind of nice to see that if it's an off shooting night, I mean, 
usually they take over 20. Um, so they didn't take a ton, but if it is a little bit less of a three point shooting night, it's nice to know that we can get in there and get those points in the paint. Perk was, he was everywhere in that second half down low, getting O boards and putbacks, drives and and ones. And man, Iowa was cutting so great to the basket, getting open looks and the passes were crisp tonight. And it's nice to know that we have that. I mean, we talked earlier, it's like live or die by the three beginning of the season is what it looked like. Now, all of a sudden they put up 60% of their points in the paint tonight. So that kind of got me amped up. Yeah. I mean, you just look at a team, they're very well connected right now. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how many assists they had Nebraska game. I know it was a lot. I mean, they had a lot of assists on made baskets this game as well too. So anytime you're able to, it's one thing having a lot of assists as a team. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but Hey, it's, it's always good to have a lot of assists as a team. They're they're playing really well connected as a group right now. And whenever you have a lot of assists, that, that that's really the key factor right there. You have so yeah. many made baskets and so many assists, you know, assist to made basket ratio. You know, that, that's 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 huge on you know their their ability to stay connected like that. And you know, I mean Iowa Iowa's offense wasn't gonna be a problem this year. Nope. It's still going to be defensive end. I mean, if they're able to put up 86 points a game in the Big Ten, they're going to win probably a majority of the games. But you now this year, they might have to put, I don't know, they might have to put up 90 a game to get to 10 wins in the Big Ten just <laughs> based off, you know, factoring their defense this year. But I had a, I had something in my mind I was going to say, but I yeah. totally forgot mid-conversation. I know it would have been poetic too. <laughs> I can't remember. Um uh, if it makes you feel any better, I just like, I just like went to breathe and straight up shot snot right out of my right nostril. <laughs> so we both just had a couple awesome little gaffes there. It's boogie season. <laughs> um, going off what you said and assists, I think that's a perfect parlay into the Nebraska game. Iowa had 30 assists on 35 made field goals in the Nebraska game. That is some good team ball. That is doing a great job finding each other. Um, a big win. That was win number two in a row. Minnesota's three now, but yeah, the Nebraska game was, I think this has been two. It's like perfectly timed games. They're not, it's not like Illinois or Michigan state at the Breslin center or Purdue, which we have coming up, but it was like two teams that are good, not great, beatable that we can really kind of find ourselves on. And the Hawks prevailed. Um, and that Nebraska game the other night, that was, that was fun to watch. That second half was a, beat down by the hawks that was awesome yeah i i honestly thought you know this is what makes me want to get back in sports betting because i just come on now buddy i'm gonna have my two cents here that no one's gonna believe me that i know and i know what's gonna happen but (laughs) you just saw that coming kind of of nebraska Uh just had a huge emotional win against purdue right at home Mm -hmm. um i don't know how many days before that though but you always see that in conferences, right? You see a mm-hmm. team that just is on cloud nine after they just beat a top team in the country or a top five team in the country. And the next game, I don't know the percentages. I would love for someone to look this up sometime. But the percentage of that team losing in the next game is astronomically higher Yep. than uh, any uh, any given game they play on their schedule. It just is because just how emotional it is to win a big time game like that. So you kind of saw if Iowa just handled business and just did okay. They were going to take care of business against Nebraska, but I mean, they played well above. I thought they were going to do against Nebraska because they're the Huskers are a really good team this year. They got a lot yeah. of good players. Yes, they do. Um, 
Yeah, and that was uh, speaking on what you just mentioned. I had a very good feeling a win was coming there, and I parlayed that Hawkeye spread to with the Chiefs spread and won myself a little scratch over the weekend. Mm. Um, those, those are my two most confident games. I'm a Chiefs fan, but I thought they were going to smoke the Dolphins. Anyway, this is a basketball podcast. I was very confident in those Hawks, and I took the spread against Nebraska and won comfortably because I, I saw the same thing you did, like massive win. Now they're coming on the road. Who knows when they're going to get there. They're probably going to get there in time with the weather, but you never know. And I just, you could just see it coming a mile away in my opinion. Yeah. Easier to say after the fact. But I mean, that was the game they needed. They're coming off a Rockers, huge win against Rockers. And, you know, they had a six day span of preparing for Nebraska um, at home. So on a Friday night, I know there was blizzard and there wasn't a lot of fans there, but that was a game they needed to win to carry the momentum in Minnesota. And, yep. you know, they lose, they lose Rutgers or Nebraska and they get down 0 and 4 or 1 and 3 or 1 and 4, whatever it would have been. Um, we're looking at a totally different scenario coming to Minnesota because Minnesota going into Minnesota tonight, 2 and 3, instead of it being, you know, 1 and 4 or mm-hmm. 0 and 5, even, you know, you're looking at a team that's, they don't even have, they haven't figured their identity out yet if they have a record like that based off the losses they've had. And now coming into Minnesota at two and three with a chance to get, you know, poke your head into being a top four, top five team in the conference. I mean, that is such a huge shift. And, you know, the margin of just a couple seating wise, just a couple wins or losses here or there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you play 20 games in the season. That sounds like a lot, but you just, you compound just one game after one game, not let a loss take, you know, too much toll on your team. It's amazing what you can do after, like I mentioned, the first you know part of this pod, where you can be after just winning three games in a row in the Big Ten. It's extraordinary if you think about it. Yeah, it is. Right on. And they're feeling good. They got momentum going. Um, man, that uh, the Nebraska game was a little bit different story than than this. Owen Freeman was in there almost the whole time. He put up twenty two and ten. He dominated down low. Um, man, I tell you what though. It was the beginning of the Minnesota game. You noticed it. A few passes in the second half. A lot in that Nebraska game. If Iowa could just two, like two turnovers per half that are really bad, sloppy, dumb decisions. If they could just not do that, you're talking like a six, like a a three to six point swing each half potentially. And these games that are like six points down the stretch, maybe be more comfortably like 12 to 15 and we just got to eliminate. There's been some really bad turnovers lately by the Hawks. We got to eliminate that. Like they're not paying attention to a defender coming up behind them or they're just catching the ball and trying to throw a really cool, fancy pass real quick into the post and it's right to a defender and, and cross court passes that are never going to get there. It's just some, and I know like they'll get better as they play more and you learn from mistakes, but there are some bad turnovers still that we need to cut down on. You saw some of those tonight. Also in the Nebraska game, I don't want to be nitpicky, but I also don't want to, just be all sunshine and roses after a win. There's a lot of things to work on still. Well, yeah, even tonight against Minnesota, there's still a a ton of stuff to work on. I still think, you know, Tony, you know, Tony had an extraordinary game. I'm I'm glad I just mentioned this. I kind of forgot. I think Tony's game against Nebraska got totally thrown to the side. In my opinion, he played great. The guy had 15 assists in a, in a big 10 game. I mean, it's been, there's only three Hawkeye. I didn't even get 15 assists in a game ever. (laughs) I had 14, the highest, and I have the all-time assist record. Like, it's just, 
what what he was able to do was extraordinary against that Nebraska game. As as much yeah. as you know, Dix and other guys got credit for that win. I think Tony got kind of overlooked by everyone that you know was talking about that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he opened that game up so much by what he was able to do, get Peyton going. You know, he got the big guys down low going. You know, he's got guys, Dick's coming in that he was able to find when he was open. I mean, having a guard like that coming into the game, like Tony has done, and just free up a lot of guys. I mean, that's his job when you're a point guard, right? You just got to free up as much guys as you can. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have the greatest offensive game, you know, shooting-wise, but assist-wise, I mean, he's a – He's arguably one of the reasons they won that game. Without him, it would not have been an 18, you know, 20 point game, whatever it ended up to be. Yep. Big time. Big time. Tony, yeah, he uh, I had that written down here as he was he was the catalyst. He was aggressive and driving, and he's starting to slowly come into form of I think who we were hoping he could be going into the season. To start the Minnesota game, he took a couple of contested threes with guys in his face. And I was like, I like stood up and like said, Tony. What are we doing, buddy? That's not your game. And then he never, he must have heard me. He never did it again. Probably did. And he started facilitating and he could feel, he could feel that presence all the way from Northwest Iowa saying that. Yeah. But if he's just got, if he just sticks to his game, occasionally, yeah, he's going to be wide open, take the three, sure. But man, when he drives and facilitates and get things rolling and everyone else is getting their shots and feeling good because of him, that's when the confidence builds and that's when this team can really roll. Big time. He's, he's got to be a guy. You're you're absolutely right. He's got to be a guy that I think now that I've watched a few, you know a bunch of games this year mm-hmm. and seeing how their identity and for, their form as a team is shaping, I think he needs to be more of a guy that looks for a you know twelve and eight to ten assist game, twelve points, eight to ten assist game, you know five rebounds. He needs to be that guy, not a twenty plus point per game. You know a couple assists you know, a couple rebounds. I mean, he needs to be, be a guy that does try to do everything with when he has the ball, get people open, you know, f- facilitate the offense because I think that's what they need. They don't need a guy that's trying to, you know, be, you know, that guy as a point guard, in my opinion. Yep. Right on, right on. And he was, uh, he was hit. He was finding a lot of guys. He would, he would shake. Uh, I can't remember if it was Tomanaga or who was guarding him. He would shake him, get to the middle of the lane. Dix and Sanford were out there waiting on the three point line. And Iowa had, Iowa went seven to twenty just in the first half from three. We eclipsed our season average of threes just in the first half, and then blew it out of the water in the second half. But Tony, man, he was he's it's he's our tone he's our tone setter. And if Owen can get some big defensive plays down low and some big O boards and stuff, man, uh, I don't know this team. They're coming together. You never know what could happen, pal. Well, they just have a lot of momentum now. I know I hate to use the word momentum because I don't really believe in it in, in mm-hmm. basketball and sports, but I mean, you look at it like we were just talking about a team that comes off after you know two great wins at home and they just gathered a away win. That's just so big for their season moving forward because it's it's so hard to get when they start zero and three. We talked about it, Adam. That it's really hard to get out of that hole. It is like mentally, physically whatever way you want to look at it spiritually like everything is just Mm -hmm. impossible to try to get yourself and your teammates together and get out of that. And Iowa has done just that. And I mean, obviously when you have a coach like Fran leading the group there, you know, that's really special to see. Yep. Um, Let's keep it clean here, but feelings wise, how great 
all time, like all time top feelings. What's it like after a big win like that in the locker room? They're going to get some good, like, do they get you some awesome food from somewhere in the city and you're hopping on the bus and you're heading home just hyped with the boys? Big win. Fran's officially number one on the wins list. He's emotional. I bet that locker room scene was awesome. What, like, feelings-wise, how awesome is that bus ride home? Well, I can tell you it's a lot better when it's a loss. Or it's a lot, it's a lot better than what it is when it's a loss. Okay, I when it's a say, lot, you're crazy. No, yeah. <laughs> I know what you well, mean now. Because I'm trying to explain it to you, like the highs and lows of the of the, just sure. a, of a game. Um, yeah, there's no better feeling when you go come to the locker room and um, you have a team that just they all everyone as a unit they only care about winning, and that's mm-hmm. rare to find. As crazy as that sounds, it's rare to find a team that everyone when you win, everyone is happy. You think yeah. that should be just a thing that just it happens, right? You win, everyone's happy. That doesn't happen with a lot of teams, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Some people still have egos. Oh, I didn't play as, as much or I didn't get enough minutes. You know, I, I didn't shoot the ball as much as I wanted to. Um, but our my time at Iowa, we always had teams that were very, very well-knit groups. And it's one thing to win and have that feeling. It's another thing to win and have the feeling where everyone is happy in the locker room. Like yeah. Every single person. And that that's a feeling that it's hard to explain because you just work so hard for each other and for mm-hmm. you to share because no one else knows what you're going through, right? You know, yeah. we talk about that all the time. No one really knows, you know, the the true highs and lows of seasons. Um, but that's what makes it so special. To answer your question, that's what makes it so special because those guys in the locker room are the only ones that know what actually went in to win a game at Minnesota or to win a game against Nebraska on a Friday night. Yeah, and, you know, that is it's it's a phenomenal feeling. Awesome, awesome. All right, um, Saturday, one o'clock in carver the weather's just going to start getting warm it's going to be a beautiful balmy like 30 degrees in iowa city can iowa do you think there's a way i mean anything's possible but can we beat purdue can we shock the world and just party in carver on saturday is it possible yes obviously it's always possible yeah um this is going to be a very tough game purdue is fighting for the lives right now for a big 10 title i know it's still really early but I mean, they're three and I think three and two right now in conference play. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin's five and zero, oh, and you know you don't want to be a guy that says that teams, you know they they don't look ahead. But I promise you, Purdue's looking at the records right now, and they see that they're three and two, and they're really pissed off because oh, yeah. they are two in the country and not even first in the league. Yep. And I, I guarantee you, Coach Painter is probably showing that every single day. He's telling the guys like, "Hey, listen, we, we're balls to the walls right now for the rest of the year. If you guys want a Big Ten title, that you guys can call yours. Because right yeah. now, they're not putting in the effort to do it because they're losing to you know Nor- Northwestern at, at Northwestern. That was a game you think they could have killed. They should have killed Northwestern, but mm-hmm. that's that's life in the Big Ten. So based off that, Adam, absolutely, Iowa has every you know ability to win against Purdue. But again, you know, just look at." just how things are shaping up right now, Purdue is going to come out aggressive as hell because they mm-hmm. know what's on the line. I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that. If if we can limit, I, I don't know, I say we, I sound like such a douche, I don't play for the team. If Iowa can limit those bad turnovers and Purdue's guards are, their Purdue's guards are going to be in your face. If they can limit those bad turnovers and if the refs don't, 
give Zach Eady the Jordan treatment and Owen Freeman is sitting on the bench, um, that'll be huge for us. I mean, there's no stopping Zach Eady, but Owen Freeman is, you know, honestly probably going to be one of the better defenders that Edie will face all season uh, with how he's been playing. And if they can limit those turnovers and I mean, yeah. And hit some threes and just the thing that worries me is that uh, Nebraska and Minnesota had all time bad three point shooting nights. I, I don't see that out of Purdue happening, but you never know. Even if Purdue can go like seven of, I don't know, 23 i think we would take that seven to 22 something like that we'd probably take that um so i mean it's yeah it's going to come down to if we're just giving them open threes because those guys those guys are good um but yeah it's freeman's got to stay out of foul trouble and tonight it was not his fault i know i sound like a homer but those were some tough calls on him so we'll see how the refs how the refs want to play it on saturday with Edie. And this is a part of the season that kind of gets overlooked. End of January, Adam, is a grind. I mean, you just look at Iowa's schedule, not to look ahead of Purdue, but Purdue, we play them on January 20th. Then we play Maryland Wednesday 24th. And then we go to Michigan the 27th. Then we go to Indiana on the 30th. I mean, and then we play on the 2nd of February. So you look at... The yep. next, the next two weeks, basically, we have real like, under two weeks. Days. We play five games. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be a mental toll on this team, and a lot's going to be learned in these next five games. And the reason why yeah. I'm bringing up these five game stretch because it always happens in a season around this time. And I think if this counting Purdue, if we can go four and one in this stretch, I know that sounds crazy. But if they can get away with four wins, that is a they're putting themselves in a position to get a double buy. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Based off because I mean you're seeing the Big Ten Adam right now. Look at the standings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, everyone's everyone's got three losses. Yeah, everyone's losing. Yeah. And this is well, gonna be a separating, this is gonna be a separator these next two weeks for the the conference right here. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of those stretches you're like, well, golly, we could go four and one, we could go oh and five. Yep. So it's yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to watch. Um, it's probably gonna take years off my life because I'm not someone who can relax when I watch games. I get fired up. It's just who I am. <sighs> All right, uh, Iowa State. They are in the AP top twenty-five. They knocked off Houston at home. They've uh, I think they they handled Oklahoma State pretty easily, and now I think they got tomorrow night. We're recording this on Monday, so I guess when people hear this. I'll say tonight, Iowa State plays at BYU. Uh, BYU, number one three-point shooting team in the country, making 12.4 a game. And Iowa State, fourth in the country defensive rating. So something's got to give. Um, Iowa State, golly, that schedule in the Big 12 is a gauntlet. I do think that they can pull out the win at BYU. I really do. This is just so funny, like hearing these BYU playing in Houston. Like this is just, just I so know, right? Great. Like it's so random. <laughs> UCF. <now. laughs> yeah. Uh, no, a great opportunity for Iowa State. It's funny, like to think. Obviously, Iowa State is a phenomenal defensive team, but just playing against TJ and and teams that are coached by TJ and his defensive schemes, um, you get a lot of. It's hard to explain. Like you get a lot of 
open threes. Like my time when I played against Iowa State, I got a lot of open threes. Huh. But for some reason, just how they play on defense, it tires you out on offense. So, I mean, obviously that impacts, you know, legs, getting tired, being fatigued, not hitting open shots. Right. It's really bizarre because they push everything on the sidelines, obviously. Um, So the skip pass is always open. So a lot of times when we played Iowa State with TJ, I think it was, I think, I guess that was only twice I played against his teams, but, or Mm -hmm. once, was it once? Twice. One time. I believe twice. Yeah, twice. I was there for so long, dude. I don't remember. (laughs) Heck, you might be, maybe you played against Larry Eustachie. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I actually played against Fred Hoiberg. He was a player. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, man, the, it's, the, I think we should parlay that into some, some national landscape talk. The, the, it's been nuts. Like, I said last week, college basketball is drunk. It got drunker. It's like Kansas loses to UCF, and and they bounce back with a good win against Oklahoma. But you got Marquette can't seem to buy a win anymore all of a sudden. Seton Hall is continuing to roll. Houston lost twice. They're still ranked fourth. In the, they're ranked fifth in the country after losing twice in a row. That's how many teams lost. It was such a bloodbath of the top 10 teams. Uh, UCLA... I don't know what's going on out west. They seem broken. Have you heard? Have you ever seen a Mick Cronin press conference? Yeah, I played against him when he was in Cincinnati. Really? Dude, yeah. When he's not happy, that guy just, he just, he'll say whatever. He throws his players under the bus. He'll talk about players on the team he doesn't like at the moment. He just, he doesn't hold back. He just, he had a press conference. They actually won their last game, but before that, they had lost, I don't know how many in a row. He said, I don't care what the university president says. I don't care this and that. I'm going to determine who's on this team moving forward. I don't like anybody. And he's just throwing players under the bus left and right. That guy's crazy. I mean, how, how much does that actually help, though, by throwing your players under the bus? I get oh. it, like, to a little aspect of it, but the, yeah. how he does it? Yeah, those players can't They can't be liking here and that. It cannot be motivating. Well, would you least. like that? Like, to go on national television or social media and see your own coach ripping you in the no. public after these players are probably already getting ripped by social media oh, yeah. and fans Bad. on there. Yeah. Your coach, you see your own coach. Your yeah. Your own coach doing that. And the reason yeah. why I say that from, from a little aspect, well, you just think back then, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. Cause they didn't really have the social media aspect of it, but now I don't know. It just is a bad look. Yep. I would agree. Um, Kentucky, they go on the road and lose Saturday. Uh, or wait, was that Sunday? Whatever day it was, full disclosure, uh, I had a 14-team parlay, and Kentucky was the only team that didn't cover $10 to win 1700 And I got to stop these parlays. I was, I was looking for plane tickets to Lexington so I could go talk with the team about why they had to do that to me. <laughs> why? Why, guys? And, oh, my gosh, they just blew it down the stretch. I need to chill with the parlays, but the excitement is just too much. Oh, yeah, and, that's uh, how they get you. I know. Uh, Arizona, they lost again at Washington State. And then Gonzaga, I mean, we don't even, you don't even hear about them talked about anymore, like nationally, really, because they're not playing great. They're on the verge of falling out. I looked everywhere. I don't even see a 2024 recruit that they have. They must either be going to go all in on the portal or if the run is just over there, Gonzaga. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there, but 
it's like kind of sad for me. They've been a staple of my life for so long. And now it's like, they're just not Gonzaga anymore. Just the whole Gonzaga in general. is just a weird, they've, they've been playing a Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse conference their whole entire <laughs> yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's, it's, it well, and be now different. BYU, they're still in, they're still in there, aren't they? They didn't move. Who? No, Gonzaga's still there, and BYU yeah. left. Right, that's what I'm... So now, the team that is arguably the only other team, I mean, St. Mary's, and then... Yeah. St. Mary's I mean, occasionally. I don't, and I don't even know what other team of, I could throw in there that would consistently yeah. fight with Gonzaga. I mean, St. Mary's and... Utah State, maybe? Yeah, maybe Utah State. Utah State left, too. Oh, they did? Okay, yeah, well, they're in a... Wait, they're in the... um. Oh my well, god. Well, Gonzaga's playing in the uh, in the American Rivers Conference over with Buena Vista University. State conference. Dude, I, I should know this. I played against Utah State. What are what are they in? Shout there? out Spencer Petra. It's gonna be QB1 there next year, maybe. They're in the Mountain West now. Ah, there we go. Have they always been in the Mountain West? Wait. Probably. I'm probably giving okay. you misinformation yeah, that they were Utah ever State in the West Coast Conference. <laughs> oh anyway. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what Gonzaga is moving. Sometimes I'm just throwing straight, just spitting fire right out of my butt. That's inaccurate. No, you might be right. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, and- they did move, right? Yeah, they did move. Yes, I'm right. I, I think they did. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. <laughs> and I really like UNC, North Carolina. North Carolina is probably my second favorite team now behind Purdue. I still think Purdue is the team this year, but we will, we'll see. Uh, it's been crazy. It's going to be a fun week. There's a lot of good games coming up um, in the big 12 and nationally and uh, UConn back at number one, I believe now just kind of by default because everyone else lost, but going to be fun. Um, Sorry. Basket- I've been reading. I'm- <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, buddy, but I'm, I am going to need you to answer what I'm going to about ready to bring okay, up. I'm ready. Brian Butch. Stud, still friends with your brother? Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right. So he's he announced he was announcing he was solo announcing because Dave Revson couldn't make it to Iowa City. So Revson was remote and Butch was there in Iowa City by himself for that Nebraska game. And seeing Brian Butch like brought back so many like nostalgic memories of me to the Big Ten when Jason played on that team with uh, Cameron Taylor and Tucker, yeah, Butch and your brother, and then like. Michael Flowers. Oh, gosh, that Wisconsin team was so awesome. And then Illinois was just coming off going to the national title game. And Purdue, like, was still always Purdue then. Indiana was good. Like, those, uh, and I see 2006, right? So that was when Bruner and Horner and then we were with the Hawks. Like, those big 10 days were fun for me. That was so much fun. So just seeing Brian Butch, I know, brought back those memories. I never lost on PlayStation college basketball game with that wisconsin team oh, never those playstation basketball games were unreal yeah. your brother tucker taylor lights out from three i was just unstoppable with them it was so good it was so much fun those march madness games dude were legendary so ahead of our time mm-hmm. yeah i remember coming back from a college break and we'd have just a massive snow day and I'd go into my buddy's place and we would play, we would set up like a 32 team tournament, like four of us and we'd all draft our eight teams. And then we would just play the whole tournament for an entire day. That's so just much fun. Drinking pops, eating chips, insanely unhealthy. Oh. It was great. It was the dream. 
It was awesome. Those Wisconsin teams, it's so weird. I don't know. It breaks my heart they didn't make a Final Four. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I mean, they lost to Cornell my brother's senior year. I thought that was going to be a team that was going to, they had some. They had some good players. I mean, just my time being a Wisconsin fan when I did, I mean, I'm still, I'll still always be, I'm still always a Wisconsin fan as sure. as much as I hate, hate to say it just because I, <laughs> I mean, it made me who I was too. So, yeah. but I don't know the, those teams, you look back at those teams. I mean, even when my brother Zach was on the teams, they played against the Harrison twins at Kentucky. Like that team was unbelievable. Yep. So good. So it was, good. they were, they were fun. Um, all right. Some, just some random thoughts here as we close out this pod. Did you see Matt Painter's comments after Purdue lost to Nebraska about court storming? I heard about it. I did not see the interview. So he said that we got to be better about court storms. He said, it's not safe. People are going to get hurt. He said, I think you should totally still be able to storm the courts. Like it's a big win. He's talking about how many times he's, he's, he kind of got a little, a little, feisty talking about how it's always against us because we're always so good we're the team they want to beat so they're always storming against us and luckily no one's got hurt but he's mad about it uh i just wanted to get your thoughts on court storms i mean is there a way you can make it safe for players to get off the court before all the fans come rushing on or is it just what it is and you got to fight your way through the crowd i'll say two things because the first thing about the actual game I understand what he's saying because they were getting beat pretty handily. So they could have done something where they could have just walked off the court before the game was actually over and let the suits on. So I do see that. Sure. The thing where I guess I'm kind of agreeing with both sides here, but um, the other thing here, my, it would have been the year, what year was this? It would have been my last year at Iowa. We played at Illinois. Twenty one. Yes. And if we would have won, we would have got that double bye. If Illinois won, they won the regular season title. They won. Um, Chris Murray got fouled in the corner. If you guys remember, it was a just fucking disgrace. Officiating yep. that night, Illinois got away with murder like they always do at, at <laughs> Illinois. Um, they stormed the court that night. Okay. And the buzzer got over. There's students jumping over the chairs. And anyone that knows the Illinois student section knows they are incredibly oh. disrespectful and incredibly unkind humans. Yeah, not like orange or whatever they call them. themselves. Yeah. Ugh. And Pete. we had, and I'll remember Austin Ash was behind me. And I don't remember who, I think Tony was to my left and Aaron Ulyss was in front of me. And we're about to go shake hands, but there's like a ton of people crawling over our, our bench to go storm the court good grief and me austin ash and tony we had a bunch of people in our face like talking shit to us students like like five seven frat kids talking shit to us. <laughs> like it's the dumbest thing ever like dude like just go storm the court like we're not gonna say we can't say anything yeah. back like Loser, what are you, you wish say? you were me well it's like it's like a double it's like you can't do anything the, the yeah. kid's five five and he's and he's <laughs> we, we do something then we're getting trouble but I, I remember they had we had all these kids coming in our face and like one kid had a, a phone in like our face, um oh, and me Austin Ashes his face and it was like talking shit. And I know one of us grabbed the phone and chucked it into the stands. Like it was the funniest thing ever looking really? back. 
Like the phone had to be shattered. That guy was so pissed he couldn't find his phone. Well, the phone the phone had to be shattered. Like it was gone. <laughs> I don't know who grabbed it, but that thing went like fifty yards over to the right. <laughs> but I do see an end point long conversation uh, to answer your question. I do see what he's saying because people are stupid. Like let's be honest, there's a lot of yeah. dumb individuals out there that will do anything for clout just uh-huh. for a moment of doing something like that shit. So I do understand what he's saying. Yeah. Well, we'll see moving forward. If there's a way that they can make it. So players can get over. I mean, cause honestly, yeah, the fans rushing the court, the students, they want to be out there rubbing shoulders with the players, but ultimately they're, they're there to jump around with their fellow students. Like the players, if there's a way to get them off the court, I suppose um, that I, that should be able to happen, but well, we'll it see should. Yeah. Forward. I don't want ever to be a gone. Like it should never be. That should always happen. Like you should be able to storm the court whenever. But yep, I do understand the other side because we're in a different environment now. You just know yeah. there's a lot of weird people out there. Yep. Have I ever told you my court storming moment when I was when I went to you and I and you and I knocked off the Hawks? I. When was this? So this is 2006, my freshman year, or was it 05? It was 05. It was my freshman year when they still played in the Dome. Mm-hmm. And Brunner, Horner, Haluska, all those guys were there. Iowa comes in, I think, ranked like ninth in the country. And you and I had Ben Jacobson and Grant Stout and Brooks McCowan and all those boys, Eric Crawford. And I'm in the front row of the U and I student section in my Iowa Hawkeye shirt. <laughs> I cheered for you and I every, I'm diehard you and I every single sporting event unless they play the Hawks. Really? It's not going to be a sellout. I don't care if they're my alma mater. I grew up a diehard Hawk fan, and it's never changing. So I'm in the front row of the student section with my Hawkeye shirt on. Every single U and I student, including my roommates, hating on me. But U and I beats them, and all the students rush the floor. And I'm in the front row, and I'm like, well, I either get trampled or I just got to go with them. (laughs) And so I take off running, and a girl that we're friends with that was with us, who I'm three times bigger than, grabs onto the back of my shirt. And it's like she got yanked by a Clydesdale. She just gets full whiplash and gets yanked out of the court, falls over, and she's getting trampled. And she's, like, trying to get up, and it's like she's literally getting run over by a herd of cattle. And so I go over, and it's like one of those moments where, like, you panic and you have, like, superhuman strength. I just take my hand and throw, like, six people out of the way and make a big hole. And I just pick her up, and I carry her in my arms out to the center of the court, set her back on her feet. I'm like – what are you doing? Why'd you grab onto me? I'm so huge. Like that was stupid. <laughs> I was like scolding her. I was like, you could have got yourself killed. But you uh, saved that's my, her. I did. I was the knight in shining armor. That was my one and only court storm. I think I've ever partaken in. Does she happen to have a lucky individual in her life? Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. Oh, I, well, I was really... going to say, what a love story. You guys get back together right? and rekindle a romance. Up. I should look her up on the socials. Yeah, She's a should. very attractive young lady. Well, there you go. <laughs> so um yeah that would be that'd be a funny story i could go after all these years be like hey remember that time i carried you like it was our wedding night out to the middle of the you want to do it again <laughs> how about we make it the real deal <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh shoot um all right let's let's hop into our ag minute here uh normally we do it at the beginning but we were riding the high of the hawks we had to go in Terraplex Ag, wonderful sponsor of the show. We love them. We appreciate their partnership. They are with drone technology changing the farming game. You can get great aerial shots of your fields and your farm. You could get 
uh, application, like foliar application late season that you wouldn't have to use a high sprayer for. Uh, all sorts of stuff that they can help revolutionize your farming game. You should check them out. Uh, they are an amazing company. You know what I was thinking the other day, J-Bo? Terraplug should find a way to make snow scooping drones. Drones have little shovels drop out and they go down and they, or like they have little snowblower attachment and they go out and snow blow for you. That'd be great. Run mm. one of those from your living room. Oh, that sounds Ooh. unreal. Ooh. That'd be helpful. That would have been helpful in the storm. Um, so the Ag Minute is just going to be me talking about why do we have to have 20 inches of snow and polar vortex weather at the same time? Can they not at least come separately? It's horrible out right now in Iowa. It, it might be worse. At your, we got, I don't know, 12 inches maybe where we are, and it blew like crazy, massive drifts everywhere. I've been scooping snow nonstop on the farm for three days. I think it was worse where you're at. But oh yeah, this weather sucks right now. I think we got well, it's like negative forty today, Eastern Iowa. I think we got twenty like three inches of snow. I think total or something like oh, that. Oh my gosh, Lord and, have mercy. Yeah, I've never seen this much snow ever as, as, since I've been so born bad. in Iowa. I've never seen a winter like this. This is the second worst I can remember for us. March second, twenty seventeen. I'll never forget it as long as I live. We got fourteen inches. And like 50 mile per hour winds for 10 hours straight. I've never seen drifts like that in my life. Uh, but this was this is right up there. I had to scoop, so I was I had to let my tractors plug them in for about five hours, put like the anti gel stuff in, let them warm up and run for like an hour before I'd even use them. So I because I want them to get good and warm and not freeze up on me while I was out scooping snow. But we were just pushing snow like crazy. The hydraulic lines on my tractor if i stopped moving the bucket for like five minutes would like freeze mm. literally freeze up and so you'd have to slowly get your bucket moving again because it's negative 50 degree wind chill out there uh cattle chores were terrible just putting tons of bales and stuff in the buildings and feed and feeders up by the yard so they don't go out in the field and the elements you got to give them like double the amount of feed you normally do because they constantly eat so they have constantly have energy to like keep their body warm it's just, it's just no fun. It's no fun being uh, weather like that period. It's especially no fun when you're out trying to scoop snow and feed cattle in it. Those were two horrendous days that my dad and I were out there doing cattle chores in. Well, I do have a bright side for you. You want to know what the bright side is? Oh, here we go. Lay it on me. Every single day that moves forward now, it gets lighter out yes, later sir. on. That's all I'm looking at right now. Just think and about you know every day we get through to every day we get through yes. the warmer it's going to get think warm thoughts and then yep. golf season. Yep. And we're going to be out there making golf content and it's going to be legendary mm -hmm. and I cannot wait. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so go to Terraplex Terraplex people. I know you listen. Uh, let's get together and talk about snow scooping drones. What do you say, boys? That is electric in invention. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah. I don't know how All that right. works, but <laughs> I don't know. There's a smart person out there who can figure it out. That's why God gave us engineers. They can figure yeah. anything out. Those people are too smart. They are. They're just they're just geniuses. So they need to be nerfed. <laughs> <laughs> they're too um, smart. <laughs> All right. Uh I had more that I wanted to get to, but let's let's try to keep it around an hour. We can talk about that next time. Uh spoiler alert, next time when I'm on the show with you, I want to talk about male nipping out problems. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So okay. get ready for that. Okay. Nippage. Nippage. That's what we're going to be talking about. Hashtag nippage. I'm ready. All right. Um, well, as we close up here, we also want to mention our friends at the Iowa Event Center. Iowa is a cold, cold son of a bee right now. But you know what? You can still have fun indoors at somewhere like the Iowa Event Center. That's what makes Iowa Event Center so great. So much fun indoor entertainment where it's warm for you and your friends, you and your family to experience concerts, shows, plays, whatever it might be. Um, I think Avenge Sevenfold is coming. They've got all sorts of fun rock concerts. There's going to be all sorts of country concerts there this summer, comedians, and uh, it's a great place, great time, and uh, you should check them out and see what they have to offer for you and your friends. For If you're looking for something fun to do in the winter, check out our friends at the Iowa Events Center. They can hook you up with all the fun. That's all I got. You got anything else, buddy? No, I had something, but I forgot, and I'm, now I'm really pissed off. Because I, I, I looked You're at my other young. monitor. No, I, I looked at my other monitor. I, I started get, I got distracted. I was about to say something, and I just totally forgot. Dang it. Well, if you remember it, write it down for next time. I know. Where's my <laughs> notebook at? Oh, shoot. All right. Well, everyone out there, we appreciate you listening. Um, as you go back to work, for a lot of you who didn't have to work today, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, hopefully you'll check out Making Mems. Listen to it. Tell your friends about it since you're listening on Tuesday. Uh, good luck to Iowa State tonight. And um, that's all I got. Thanks, Fran. You've been awesome. Uh, 272 and counting, baby. Just don't forget your pal Jabo over here helped to a lot of those wins. We just hey, made you know some memes. Yep, you and Fran were just making memes, baby. <laughs> all right, we'll check you guys out next time. Iowa everywhere.